Hi, I'm Kenny Coogan. Join Annie Ellis and myself as we co-host the Sustainable Living Show here on your community-supported radio station, WMNF Tampa. On Sustainable Living, we bring you conversations with local experts on sustainable topics. Please come share with us every Monday morning at 11 in our talks about alternative energy sources, organic gardening, farming, and everything in between. Sustainability is a balance of people, profit, and planet. Together, we will make a difference. The opinions presented on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Healthy Steps with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WNF Tampa. In today's topic, we're going to explore the thyroid gland and its issues and problems. You are invited to participate in this discussion or if you have any medical questions by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Today you want to talk to us about the thyroid gland and its issues and problems. I suppose that like most people, I only think about my thyroid when my doctor is touching around my throat during the annual physical. But for such a small, butterfly-shaped gland, it plays a significant role in our metabolism and overall general health. So let's pull back the curtain here and examine the thyroid. Well, Dr. Harvey, what are some of the issues and problems that we should know about? and yeah the thyroid one of the master glands we spend a lot of time um, using it but not thinking about it it drives our metabolism and responds to all kinds of signals from the environment so the thyroid gland it's an endocrine gland endocrine glands actually make things to be used inside the body there are other glands called exocrine glands like your sweat glands that make stuff to go outside the body but the thyroid is one of the principal glands that helps direct process. And the thyroid tells our cells to metabolize and also to grow and divide. The thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped gland, like you mentioned. It sits in the neck below your Adam's apple, above the sternal notch, the little depression between your two collarbones. And that gland is... Uh, a producer of uh, one major hormone, <clears throat> and that is thyroxin. The way it produces it is interesting. It, it takes an amino acid called tyrosine, and it has some enzyme systems in the body, in the gland, that connect an iodine molecule, uh, atom actually, to the tyrosine molecule. And so you get iodinated tyrosine. And there are four spots on the tyrosine molecule that can attach an iodine. And T1, we don't know, has any significant activity. We haven't diagnosed or de determined anything from that yet. T2 also. T3 um, has, uh, is the most active form of the hormone. And T4, with four, uh, tyrosine with four iodines on it, is the most prevalent of the um, 
of the, of the hormones. The T4 is a reservoir hormone and it's bound up inside the gland in something called thyroglobulin. And um, it's also bound to some proteins circulating in the circulation like albumin will hold on to the thyroid hormone until it's needed. And when it's needed, it goes inside your body cells. And the T4 has an iodine removed by another enzyme. And that once that one iodine is removed, you get T3 or triiodothyronine. And it's also known as lyothyronine. And, and T3 is the very active form. You need very little of it. It lasts for a very short time in the body and creates a lot of energy when it shows up. And so um, there are things that will change our ability to utilize the thyroid hormone. Um, if we're starving, the body stops actually producing as much thyroid hormone because it doesn't want you to burn calories if you're not taking enough calories in. So it will slow down metabolism. That's one problem people have with obesity. Many people don't eat enough calories to actually engage the thyroid. They eat so few calories, you know, ultra low calorie diets, like 600 calories a day for longer than a couple of weeks is bad because your body goes into starvation mode and then it won't lose weight. Even if you try really hard, even if you exercise more because your thyroid gland basically shuts off metabolism and won't let you burn the calories. So the... Uh, gland is really responsive to signals from other glands also, like your, your uh, stress gland, your adrenals. If, if cortisol is high, you might have low thyroid because when you're under stress, you're not looking at trying to actually um, um, do higher metabolic rate. You're trying to actually find a way to protect yourself. So there are a couple of... The reason I brought up thyroid this month was because... Um, hypothyroidism is the most common of the thyroid diseases, hypo meaning low thyroid function. And it is about 10 times more prevalent in women than it is in men, but it's relatively common in women. About one in eight women are going to experience some problem with hypothyroidism. So um, men do experience it also, um, and, and uh, men can get the most common cause of hypothyroidism, and that's an autoimmune disease. There's an autoimmune disease that many people are aware of called hy uh, Hashimoto's disease. Hashimoto's thyroiditis is a, uh, uh, an attack uh, uh, of your, your own body on your thyroid, and this occurs um, for a variety of reasons, um, but Let's um, uh, think more about just what what are well we if we're wondering if we have hypothyroidism what could be some of the symptoms of low thyroid. One of them is actually feeling cold, and um, overall, um, someone who has a low body temperature might actually have low um, thyroid function. Um, that is one of the uh, ways we can assess the thyroid function at home is every morning, take a temperature. And if your basal temperature is uh, over a degree under 98.6, you might have a thyroid issue. And it may not be that the thyroid gland itself is not working. It may be that you're not utilizing the hormone well because of other um, findings. So other symptoms that can um, uh, be involved um, include weight gain, foggy thinking, 
and um, um, changes in the texture of your skin and your hair. Hair uh, can get more coarse, it can get greasy, it can even um, begin to fall out. And that also happens with hyperthyroidism. So it's sometimes difficult to uh, uh, gauge what's going on um, uh, without doing laboratory testing. And, and laboratory testing will include um, a TSH, which is not a thyroid hormone. TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It's made by the pituitary and other master gland. And the, this um, TSH directs the thyroid to get active and make more T4. And you also can check T4 in a uh, uh, free form or in a bound form. Um, T3 is also um, able to be tested. Uh, that's the triiodothyronine, the, the more active hormone. And there's another hormone that can be checked. It's called reverse T3. And that helps us get a handle on hyperthyroidism and is useful in helping dose thyroid hormone replacement if we need to. In addition to diagnose the um, Hashimoto's illness, we want to look at two other laboratories, uh, and that is the anti-thyroid peroxidase antibody and the anti-thyroglobulin antibody. Thyroid peroxidase is more specific for the Hashimoto's. And this is like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or any other autoimmune disease where our body starts attacking one of our own tissues. This occurs because of um, molecular mimicry. And that means that when someone is exposed to another uh, protein, uh, like from a virus or from gluten, you might actually have a reaction to that protein that looks enough like the proteins in the thyroid gland that we then attack the thyroid gland. And so there's a crossover because antibodies are not always specific, um, but they do have some crossover. We know this from the antibodies from the current COVID problem. We know that the shot from two years ago is somewhat effective, but it's actually working uphill essentially because the new viral configuration doesn't fit quite well with this um, uh, current antibody from an older version of the infection. And so we have some effect, but it's not the same as it used to be because it's not um, really directed at this. But that's the way the Hashimoto's thyroiditis works. You may have an antibody that's actually directed at gluten. The thyroid looks a little bit like gluten. And so it sort of has an effect on that. Um, so we end up with damage to our glands because of this molecular mimicry. And that reduces the ability of the thyroid to make the hormone. <clears throat> if, you're, if you're junking up the machinery, um, with with um, um, attacks on the machinery, your machinery is rusting essentially or getting goo in it that, that jams the gears, you're not going to be able to produce as effectively. So um, other issues that can cause hypothyroidism beyond the autoimmune uh, issue is um, surgical removal. Um, if you have thyroid nodules, uh, thyroid cancer, or Graves' disease is another type of um, of autoimmune disease that does the opposite. It causes hyperthyroidism. Um, and some people with Graves' disease get radiation treatment and that will um, devastate the ability of the gland to function because the 
gland is over-functioning in Graves, and this will just turn it off. It's a rather crude method. Rather than treating the autoimmunity, we treat and kill the thyroid gland so that it can't keep producing. However, it's necessary because hyperthyroidism can be deadly rather rapidly because of what it, how it overdrives the body. Um, sometimes uh, babies can be born without a thyroid. That's very unlikely. <clears throat> Medication can interfere. Things like amiodarone can cause problems. Um, the pituitary gland can be damaged. Tumors of the pituitary or injuries to the brain can also cause uh, trouble with the thyroid because it will have no further direction from the master gland. And sometimes there are some uh, rare and odd diseases, um, sarcoid, amyloid, um, granulomatous disease, and hemochromatosis can also cause hypothyroidism. Another one that's really interesting is iodine deficiency. Many of us don't realize how important iodine is. Um, currently, it is extremely important um, because of things that have happened in our environment over the last several decades. I'm talking about nuclear disasters. Um, and currently, it seems that um, we don't have any callers, so let's do a station identification. Absolutely. A very clever approach to this situation. It's a little too quiet for us here. Clark's getting a little antsy in the control room. So, folks, you're listening to Healthy Steps with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, and we're looking forward to you participating and calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. So what have you got for us, Dr. Harvey? So going on with some um, issues with iodine. Many of us are iodine deficient, and that is not a good situation because over the last couple of decades, as I mentioned, we had some nuclear disasters. And anytime we have a power plant um, problem that causes um, um, gases and, and other stuff to be released into the environment, in these toxic gases are um, many, many atoms of radioactive iodine. Radioactive iodine will cause cancer of the thyroid and of the parathyroid. Parathyroids are tiny glands that are nested inside the thyroid that cover uh, calcium metabolism for our bones. And I have seen more of those tumors and more thyroid tumors in the last 20 years of my career than in the first 15. And I think it's because of uh, Chernobyl and Fukushima that have toxified our food supply. The um, Effluvium that came from those in the jet stream came across the Pacific and landed on America's breadbasket in the Midwest. The radioactive iodine rained down on our food. So my suggestion for all of my clients is to, when they cook, um, use iodized sea salt. Iodized sea salt gives you the iodine to protect you from the radioactive iodine that happens to be everywhere in our environment now. Iodine deficiency is common. Almost everyone I check has a uh, low iodine. Um, but iodized regular table salt has been a huge help for that. Um, but um, when I was in training and even today, um, there's still the uh, open quote goiter belt, close quote, in the areas that run from Canada down through the Great Lakes, lakes the um, um, uh, Appalachians, 
and um, most of the northwestern U.S. that don't have access to um, seafood directly. And so adding iodine into the salt is a brilliant thing because it gets everyone up into a rational, maybe not a high range, but a rationally functional range of iodine. If you just use it to, to boil your potatoes and your rice and your pasta and sprinkle a little on your tomato. Um, the uh, iodine deficiency can be treated with pills or drops. I prefer just adding it to the food because then it's just there in very small amounts and uh, always helping to build up the system. But you can overdo it. And I have seen people who were taking um, uh, iodine pills go into hypothyroidism. They shut the thyroid off because it just overwhelmed the gland. So on that, I think we have our first caller. Yes, we do. We've got Michelle from Tampa on the line with us today. Hey there, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. And how are you, how are you all doing? Doing fantastic. What do you have for us today, Michelle? Well, uh, a couple of things. The first one is um, I was always really thin, could eat anything I wanted to and never really gained weight. And then once I turned 30 or in that area, like everything just went downhill <laughs> and I started gaining weight and all, and all these other things. So I'm just wondering... Does that have anything to do possibly with um, the thyroid? And the second thing is I heard you say earlier that when people do try to lose weight, they go to super low calorie um, deficits. And then that actually turns, after a couple of weeks, it turns the thyroid or the metabolism off because you go into that, um, you know, that mode, that uh, security mode or whatever. But anyways, um, is there like a recommended way to, you know, lose weight without going too far down in calories as far as like not affecting your metabolism or your, your thyroid? Yes, there really is. And um, that is a very important thing for everyone to know. The, the ketogenic diets, though they are lower calorie, aren't as low as the starvation diets. And if you eat enough protein, you're going to actually support your thyroid because the thyroid needs protein to get tyrosine to make the hormone. And protein malnutrition shuts down the thyroid very, very quickly. Um, so we need to get at least um, a third of our body weight in pounds in grams of protein daily. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you need 33 grams of protein minimum. If you weigh 150 pounds, you need 50 grams of protein minimum to support your glandular function, your um, bone, hair, skin, and nails protein development. And so it's really critical to get that protein in. Um, so on a 500, 600 calorie diet, you're not getting enough grams of protein in. You just can't. Um, so one of the best things to do is to look online for one of the um, uh, um, actually thyroid support books because they have great diets in there. Um, Isabella Wentz has got a great book out. Um, but the um, the key is, again, protein. So different types of protein people have concerns about. Soy protein, uh, people worry that it may interfere. I think excess soy is bad for anyone, but <clears throat> soy is actually an okay source. You just don't want to do it all the time, but better sources, animal protein, uh, pea protein, organic pea protein. You don't want GMO pea, um, but those are good sources. Hemp protein, if you uh, uh, can tolerate the, the, the very strong flavor, um, but those are all good things. You have to get the protein and you want to get your other phytochemicals and you want to get that rainbow of colors to support the protein metabolism. 
And um, is there a reason that our bodies, um, all of a sudden, like at a certain age, as we as we age, that our thyroid is maybe um, affected by that? Like it would affect our metabolism, just kind of plummeting. Actually, usually your body doesn't do that. What what happens there is different um, things will come into play from your environment. One could be just emotional stress or job related stress, anything like that. Um, childbirth can actually cause hypothyroidism. Um, certain foods can cause you to um, misuse the thyroid. And if you're not getting enough iodine, you're not going to be making enough thyroid hormone. And um, lack of selenium and zinc and copper will help to reduce the ability to utilize the hormone. Um, so stress reduction techniques, daily exercise, lots of water to flush out the toxins, uh, great sleep, all these things are really important for maintaining good thyroid function. All righty. Thanks for the info. Uh, very interesting topic. You're welcome. It's quiet here, so I'm going to take a chance to give the phone number on out again, let you look over some of the emails that have been coming on in. Um, we're looking forward to people participating in this show by dialing 813-239-9663 or sending a email to dj at wmnf.org, and you can text us at 813-433-0885, and it's a very exciting topic. Well, maybe exciting is getting carried away, but it's a very interesting topic of uh, thyroid and some of its issues. So please, call on in, chime on in, be part of the show. Back to you, Dr. Fred. What have you got in the email world? Last week, um, we got an email from a 70-year-old male vegan on no medications, and he believes that hyperthyroidism was directed. That means the overactive gland. This is uh, a distinction I want to make here. Um, <clears throat> many people think that an elevated TSH, the thyroid-stimulating hormone, reflects hyperthyroidism or overactive gland. What it reflects actually is underactive gland. <clears throat> and the TSH will go up because that's the pituitary signaling to the thyroid to make more hormone. It will go up when your thyroid is down and it will go down when your thyroid is overactive. So the TSH that uh, this man reported to us last week was 7.6. The top normal for most reference ranges is 4.5. And so he's above the reference range, meaning that pituitary is saying make more hormone. And um, his T4 was 7.3, which puts it at the bottom end of the reference range for T4. So here we have evidence of a slightly underactive gland. And so on, for, for that, I would suggest that we need to look at iodine levels and protein intake to see what's going on. And also then maybe consider looking at the adrenal glands since they could be an issue too. The fact that he mentions that he's vegan makes me wonder if he's getting enough protein in his diet to produce enough tyrosine to make the hormone. Let's see what else we have here. Um, Kimberly has sent an email asking her mother and sister have been diagnosed with uh, chronic kidney disease. Um, she understands it's not possible for damaged kidney cells to regenerate. Uh, might I suggest some supplements? Um, so Kimberly, I think that um, um, your mom and sister need to pay attention to a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> And first off is what medications are they on that could be causing sluggish kidney function? Second, is there a sugar or a uric acid problem 
both of those things will damage the kidneys irreversibly. And so they need to be controlled. <clears throat> as far as supplementation, the first thing we need to do is drink lots of water to flush the kidneys and maybe take a homeopathic remedy like drainage to help remove toxins from the body. Other than that, I would get further evaluation because there's not enough information in this email to tell me why they might actually have chronic kidney disease. Well, we had Sounds a little, like bit of, have- little bit of luck there with giving out Good. the phone number last time. We've got Tim from Dunedin and Les from Tarpon Springs. Let's get started with uh, Tim here. Hey there, Tim. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Yeah, so I've... Um, I've had a, a hypothyroidism for since I was a little boy, and they've got me on levothyroxine, and I'm right now at 175 milligrams, and I think I'm topped out on that. I wanted you to re-mention the book uh, that you were talking about, about diets for people with thyroid issues, and uh, my symptoms have been, uh, my skin's always been very, very dry, uh, especially when I lived up north. It was really bad, but... Uh, and my hair, like you said, is pretty coarse. I just like to figure out a way to get off the levothyroxine, but I'm concerned that might kind of push me in the wrong direction. I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, guys. So, Tim, um, let's see. I think um, um, I got a little distracted. My phone rang actually while you're talking. Um, sorry about that. Um, you're. Um, Hypothyroidism and dry skin. One thing that really um, I find important to support all the glands in the body is getting enough omega-3 fatty acids on board. Dry skin is often related to not enough uh, oil in the body. And so omega-3 oils are great. I would look at 3,000 milligrams of EPA plus DHA omega-3 daily to help. Um, And then as far as the ongoing hypothyroidism, maybe just maybe you're not utilizing the thyroid hormone, the synthroid or levothyroxine uh, um, effectively enough. And um, um, I have a problem personally with most levothyroxine preparations because for some reason, the freaking drug administration allows poisons to be placed in those pills. There are multiple dyes in most of those pills. FDNC 40 red, uh, FDNC 6 yellow. These are toxins and they're in there. And it's only so that pharmacists can recognize the pills. They should be gone. Um, But the, the next time you go to your doctor, Tim, I'd say, get a look at your um, T3 total, your reverse T3, the free T4, and your TSH all in one visit to see if actually you're utilizing that hormone appropriately. And the book, um, I can't remember the title, but Isabella Wentz, W-E-N-T-Z, has a very good one. Um, Datis Karazian, I think it's K-H-A-R-A-Z-Z-I-A-N. Those two people have some really good information on thyroid out there. All right. Less. Yeah, he's been waiting patiently for us. Got a um, a vegan question for us. Hey there, Les. First of all, patience is good for your health. Yes, (laughs) I'll drink to that. (laughs) I'm always amazed when I see people at the health food store that are in a hurry and irritated standing in line, which always kind of makes me laugh. By the way, (laughs) a vegan, I I take a couple of eye drops of nascent iodine every day. So, yeah, do you have any idea how many? 
my just two drops. My doctor made me a vegan five years ago because I had high blood pressure. My top number was like 179. I didn't even know what a vegan was, really. And I used to weigh like almost 400 pounds. That was last century. I've got my weight down to around 200 now, and it's been there for about 20 years. Excellent. And so he says, you have the tools to be a vegan. I actually had to Google vegan to find out what it was, but I flipped the switch in six weeks. My blood pressure, blood pressure was down in the 130s just by going Fantastic. vegan. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, but protein, how do you get protein as a vegan that's not soy? Because I go to protein powders, uh, smoothies, but and even uh, tofu, but the, all that is soy. Yes. Um, so you can get, uh, there's so many varieties of protein out there now. Um, I use a combination in the office of hypoallergenic pea and rice protein. Um, also um, available is hemp. Um, I've seen sunflower protein. Um, there are some uh, really interesting uh, uh, other uh, uh, possibilities, uh, lacuna. Um, um, I've seen different varieties out there, but hemp, um, uh, pea, uh, rice are three big ones that are uh, low allergenicity, and you so. Know, um, funny, I, I went to I went to a large chain grocery store and bought this uh, everything hemp seasoning used on everything made by uh, the BADIA company. Not sure how you pronounce that yet. And I went back to get more, and they said, "Oh, we don't have it." I know I got it there, but that's the only really store I go to to get that kind of stuff. And they said, "Oh, no, we've never had it." Well, no, they did, and I have to get it online. I think that a Publix Corporation is allergic to the word hemp or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, and real quick, so I get my omegas since I'm a vegan. I was told that you know, in a sense, that fish, especially now with all the pollution and uh, meat, is like an inefficient delivery system for the omegas because they come from plants. So I every day have a couple of tablespoons of ground. Flaxseed. I was told if you take whole flaxseed, it doesn't really absorb into the body. It just goes through you like corn. And I yes. also have a couple of tablespoons of a chia seed every day. I put that in a homemade smoothie to get my so, omegas. So the difference between those omegas and the ones that would be in fish um, is that that is ALA, alpha-linolenic acid. It takes a lot to metabolize that into the active anti-inflammatories for your body. Um, a better source could be algae-based DHA because DHA is one step away from EPA and those are the two principal brain and anti-inflammatory um, chemicals for the body. It takes two or three steps to get from ALA to get to EPA and DHA. So algae-based um, uh, DHA is a really good omega source. Well, what is it again? I'm going to write this down. Algae-based DHA. It's a oh, vegan DHA. Yeah. Algae-based, and what is that, a powder? Or do I get it at the health? Yeah, you can get it in capsules. You can get it in powder. And uh, so the other thing I went, actually had to go to the emergency room yesterday. I had some uh, a chest pain. turned out that it wasn't my heart at all because I, you know, I, I do a lot of aerobic exercise. But I knew it wasn't the heart. They thought it was maybe some inflammation. I got to follow up on that. I asked the, I asked the doctor in the emergency room what What's good to eat for, what are some good anti-inflammatory foods? I got a blank stare. You had no idea. Because <laughs> yes, there's I'm no sure. money in prescribing fruits and vegetables. Well, actually, and there's nurse, no money in prescribing prescriptions either. <laughs> and, a nurse, and a nurse took me aside. She goes, you know, they don't want you to get well. They just want to sell you stuff. That's a quote from a nurse yesterday. That yes. That. So, you know, my takeaway is you've got to, 
find everything, every way you can to take care of yourself. Because once you get into the medical system, it's not good, and it's not about health; it's all about money. And you know, we're, we have this highly advanced civilization. This this country here, we got all this uh, money supposedly floating around, but it all goes to insurance companies. We got some of the worst health, and people trust the food industry to get healthy. And all they do is lie to you to make money and poison their own families in doing so. Very good points. I can't disagree. Thank you very much. I appreciate your show and your information. Have a great day, Les. Thanks for the call. Thanks. All righty there. We've got a couple of more callers here. I've got um, Becky and I've got Dell from Sarasota and somebody else just coming on in. So let's go to Becky in Bradenton. Good morning, Becky. Hi, I think it's Peggy. Oh, hi, Peggy. Hi, hi. Hi, Dr. Harvey. Hey, um, I went to LabCorp uh, a couple weeks ago to get some blood work done because I'm on bioidentical hormones, and we check it pretty regularly. And they, and they said Medicare would not pay for the TSA, TSA, TSH test, nor would they pay for vitamin D test. Now, I knew about the vitamin D because I'd run up against that before. But I'm wondering, the TSH, for goodness sakes, um, I'm wondering if that was a fluky mistake. or if I think it was a coding had- error. It was a coding error. They didn't put down the code for the appropriate diagnosis code for both of those. We can get vitamin D paid for with the right diagnosis codes. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a clerical issue. And... Um, and the the lab has to do only with what it's got there as codes. Right. So somebody at your doctor's office could probably submit the the code for um, um, hypovitaminosis D and um, see if that gets paid for. Well, that's helpful um, uh, because I had been in the, I had been in a terrible accident. I was in the hospital for a long time, you know, and my, I'm sure my vitamin D was probably a little low, even though I was sneaking my vitamins into the hospital, my contraband. But anyway, yes. um, that's helpful to know. So I appreciate that. And TSH, too, it was a code issue, do you think? I mean, it's probably a common thing. Yeah, it's probably All a right. code issue. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day, Peggy. Thanks. Bye. All righty. Let's go to Dell in Sarasota. And thank you, too, Becky. Here's Dell. Hello? Hello, Dell. Hi, uh, Dr. Harvey. My question is, you were talking about protein, and I just have one question. What do you think of uh, pumpkin seed, well, of course, organic pumpkin seed powder as protein? I think it's a great source of protein and some omegas. Okay. That's, that was my question. Yeah, good. I would use it. I like pumpkin protein. Yeah, There's actually a new... I use, that, I use that in the hemp, all the, the hemp, hemp seeds all the time. Have you found the new version of tofu called pumfu? No. No, really. There's actually a new, a new pumpkin seed-based tofu-like substance out there for stir-fries and other cooking. I'll check it out. Thank you. Yes. Glad you mentioned it. I forgot about that oh, one. Th- oh, thank you so much. You have a good day. You too. Well, thank you, Dale. Bye-bye. And it's gone quiet again here, so let me give out the number while you look at some of the emails there, Doc. Anyone can participate in this call, this conversation on thyroids by calling 813-239-9663 or continue to keep sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org and you can text us at 813-433-0885 and you've got about 20 more minutes left in the show so 
Come on in. So it looks like Randy has a little problem here. He's calling from Maine. And this would be a big problem in Maine, I think, because he's cold. And uh, this fellow is a 72-year-old male who eats well, exercises vigorously and regularly, and takes no medications. He feels like he's in excellent health overall, but feels like he has circulation issues, cold hands and body overall. Um, fingers turn bluish when cold. Now, that's a very important sign. That suggests Raynaud's phenomenon. Raynaud's phenomenon is a thing described by Dr. Raynaud, a French guy back about 150 years ago. And it describes a, a change in the fingers when you get cold. And first you turn blue-white and then bright red when you flush back up. And it's kind of painful. Um, one thing that actually might help with this circulation is increasing the intake of capsaicin. Um, having more um, hot pepper on board can actually increase circulation. Niacin is another really good way to do that. Niacin opens up those small blood vessels. Um, but uh, it could also be a sign of a bit of an autoimmune problem or an autonomic problem. So breathwork, like Wim Hof breathwork, could help change this. Fire breath from yoga can help increase the circulation and flush the body out. A lot of things you can do, Randy, but uh, stop into your local functional medicine doctor if this isn't working and get evaluated. And here's one from Nina. Is it possible to damage kidneys or liver by taking too many prescriptions or vitamins daily? Um, many people seem to be taking more as we age. Yes, um, actually too many prescriptions is one of my um, least favorite things. Polypharmacy, we talked about it last month. Um, taking too many medications will damage the body, liver, kidneys, and other areas. Um, staying on medications too long beyond their needed utility also is going to cause problems. We know that taking um, SSRI um, medications, the serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Paxil for long periods will deplete your internal serotonin levels. And so the medications don't work as well. Um, but too many vitamins, yes, that's possible, um, but not very common because to take too many vitamins means you have to take a lot of extra dosing. Even people that slightly go over the um, uh, reference range for vitamin D don't get sick. I've not witnessed it as yet. Um, but everyone needs to pay attention. You know, too much magnesium in a person with kidney problems will actually result in problems. So, Let's, uh, let's be cautious and get some advice. Talk to a functional health nutrition coach or a functional medicine doctor about the dosing of these high-dose supplements. Because I think it's really important we pay attention to that. Um, and then um, looks like we have some callers coming in. Yeah, so I should give out that phone number more often. We've got three. Our lineup right now is Robin, Kirk, and Shady. So let's go to Robin and Seminole. Good morning to you there, Robin. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, um, I've been doing a lot of sprouting lately. All kinds of seeds, broccoli seeds and beans and peas and I'm doing sunflower seeds now. Um, Excellent. Is there, is, there a pro is there a protein in sprouts and, and are different seeds and beans have different, um, you know, medicinal, vitamin, you know, nutritional things? Can we talk about sprouts for a second? Yes, sprouts do have more protein than just the regular seed. Um, they start producing uh, more as they start to grow. Um, the uh, 
um, uh, chemical nature of this seed changes the moment it sprouts. Uh, broccoli sprouts are the best place to get sulforaphane. Broccoli seeds are not it, and full-grown broccoli is not it. Broccoli sprouts have the highest amount of sulforaphane per gram. I can't tell you that about every nutrient for every plant, but they most definitely have different properties. Sprouting changes everything for them. Uh, sprouting will reduce the gluten in your in your glutinous grains. <clears throat> it will reduce the starch in them, so you'll end up with a more um, uh, keto friendly kind of um, uh, uh, result with with sprouting anything. So, is, so pro so there is protein in sprouts. Then I can see yes. I can, like. Okay, so that's a good substitute for you know meat or whatever, right? Well, no, not necessarily. Um, it's it's a p- amount of protein per gram of substance is highly different. So bean bean sprouts are going to have more protein than an alfalfa sprout probably because okay. beans start with more protein. But okay, um, uh, per gram you still are going to have more protein in an animal product per gram of substance. So um, you really have to pay attention to um, the amount of protein in the serving so you can get the amount of protein you need per day. So you can't eat too many sprouts. (laughs) Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Okay, then. (laughs) We're on. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. Take care, Robin. Cool. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. It looks like it's shady in Tampa. Hey there, Hello, Shady. Shady. Hey, how you doing, Doc? Fantastic. How about you? Great, great. Couldn't be better. And I apologize. I guess it's Shady, isn't it? Yes, sir. So what's happened, Shady? What do you need okay, today? I had an issue with my thumb and my two, my index and the other finger going numb at night and some, sometimes during the day. Uh, I went through the medical and they want to take me to surgery and I just don't have any faith in the medical system here anymore, so... I was wondering if there's any kind of uh, neutral or a natural kind of uh, way to Well, it sounds to, sounds to me like you've described carpal tunnel and they want to do carpal tunnel surgery on you. And so before I would go to surgery with any orthopedic or musculoskeletal issue, I would go to see a physical therapist and or a muscle activation technique therapist. And uh, both of them can be of great value for a problem like you've got there. And um, that would be what I would do before I let anybody cut on me because I've had carpal tunnel and it went away with uh, good muscle activation technique work. Really? Okay. Muscle activation technique work. Yes, look up muscle activation techniques. There's got to be somebody nearby. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. You ready for Susie in Palmetto? Sure. Let's talk to Susie. Good morning, Susie. How are you today? Hi. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Harvey. I have a question. It's about um, 5-HTP. And um, I am taking uh, bioidentical hormones, which should help a lot with uh, mood stability uh, etc. Um, and I've been taking the five HTP, uh, for over five years, uh, to enhance my mood whenever I try to reduce it down to 150 milligrams or just stop taking it. I do notice a big difference in my mood. I understand it does help with serotonin, but you mentioned a minute ago that, uh, staying on something for, you know, years and years might not be the best thing. Uh, what, what, do you 
So um, what I was referring to was pharmaceuticals. If you stay on uh -huh. something that overrides your no normal body functions for a long time, you're going to lose body functions or you're going to damage things. Um, and, but with 5-HTP, you're actually taking food because 5-HTP is an amino acid. And you're giving yourself a raw material to support your gland making the uh, neurotransmitter that it normally would do. And so I think that if you're finding results by taking something that supports your natural system functioning and you feel good on it, it's not likely it's going to cause damage. Wow, that's really good news. It's been a big concern. Uh, so uh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it really, it really I, you're welcome. helped me feel happier. <laughs> Then, then I would say, since you found something that works, keep using it. Um, if you have uh, symptoms that come of it, then I would reevaluate it. Oh, okay. Great. Um, I do also experience a little bit of anxiety. Uh, do you know of a good natural vitamin uh, that can help me uh, with that? Well, actually, 5-HTP is one of those things that helps with anxiety. But do you have a daily meditation yeah. practice? Um. Yeah, well, I, I am, you know, doing the bioidentical hormone. No, um, do you have a daily meditation practice where you sit quietly and stroke your inner being? Oh, sorry. I thought you said medication. Uh, meditation, uh, yeah, I keep falling asleep when I try that. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, do you do it at night or in the morning? Uh, I've tried usually in the afternoons, but... Uh, I like to do it first thing in the morning because I'm wide awake then. I, I have a glass of water and I sit down and I meditate to set the tone for my day. And oh, okay. I like it. There's a, there's a really easy mantra that's helped me for many years when it's really bad. Um, my um, uh, mantra is my day will unfold in a relaxed and easy manner. <laughs> cool. And I keep All saying right. that over and over again. And then when Joe Blow's melting down across the way and I can take a breath and realize that I'm relaxed I can say, can I help you? Wow, that's that's a good idea. I'll give it a try. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All righty, we're looking at the last 10 minutes of the show, and I've got um, Kirk and Juanita. Let's go to Kirk from St. Pete. Hello, Kirk. How are you doing, Doc? I've got Fantastic. two questions for you. Uh, the first one uh, is topical application of iodine any benefit the iodine level in your body? I have never seen specific information about that, but I've heard a lot of naturopathic practitioners talk about doing it that way. It's possible. We do, we do absorb things through our um, skin. So yes, it's, it's possible. Okay. I put it on. I've got I've developed some, I guess, tag moles or something. Um, and uh, heard from another doctor. That was good application to try to kill that virus. So I just started it. You know, I was curious about that. The second thing, I've got a 36-year-old son who's had terrible issues with his hemoglobin levels and his white blood cell levels. He, he was born without a spleen. We didn't find that out till about five years ago. Oh, wow. He's, had, he's been through the ringer. I mean, he's had to have a, had an infected pancreas, which caused two lobes in his lung to be infected they had to remove. He's had his hip replaced and a knee replaced already. But he's um, he's had hemoglobin when he was in the hospital down to 2.8. They were amazed wow. that he's still alive. And his white blood cells up till about two weeks ago, I think, were running 1.2 million. 
So he's really got some imbalance, and he's he's seen quite a few doctors. He's got still a few that he still sees, but I, I don't think anybody's getting to the root cause of it. And I was just hoping you might have a suggestion. There, there's a lot going on there, and that would take a functional medicine consult to sort out. <laughs> no easy answers for a problem that deep. Sure, sure. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, I saw you gave that some deep thought for a second there. i uh, got Juanita from St. Pete down the line. Hey there, Juanita. Hello, how are you today? I have two questions also. I would like to know, is there a natural remedy to lower your cholesterol? I've changed my diet. Um, I'm eating more plant-based, but I still have high cholesterol. I'm 58 years old, and they told me they don't want me on medication yet but to try and do it naturally. So um, a couple things you can look at here. One, um, Boston Heart Labs does a cholesterol balance test. It will tell you whether you're actually absorbing more from your diet or making more from your liver or doing both. Okay. If we know which area of concern, we can do things there. So if you're absorbing more, then you want to do things like um, fiber before your meals, a nice soluble fiber like konjac root. It's also helpful with weight loss. And okay. then you might also want to look at a... Um, uh, if you're doing plant-based, you want to make sure you're getting enough protein and um, uh, enough of the vegetables and less of the processed grains. Okay. And um, those two things can be very helpful. But um, I, I don't tend to put um, medications on board or even natural stuff. I don't use red yeast rice because if you're going to use a statin, it's my opinion, you might as well use a statin that's going to actually get the cholesterol down. I've rarely seen red yeast get it to the point where you're therapeutically fixed. And so um, work with uh, uh, diet a bit more, exercise, and looking at the food composition. Maybe you are eating too many carbohydrates. Are your triglycerides still over 100? If they are, you're eating too many carbohydrates. Okay. I, I probably drink more carbohydrates than I eat. I'm, I, I have a very intense job, and I tend to drink... Um, Gatorades and things like that. That oh, we'll give that up first. Okay, <laughs> get rid of that okay. stuff. That's poison. Yeah, I know it is. It's just I, mean, I get I drink a lot of water, but sometimes I just need that that Gatorade to get me. I'm a I'm a cleaner. I clean outdoors, and I just I go and sweat, sweat, sweat. So, all right, I'll get rid of that. Get a better electrolyte replacement, like Trace Men or something like that. Can I do Pedialyte, or is that not good? That's still got sugar in it. Okay. okay. Buy buy Trace Light from the health food store and put drops in your water. Oh, okay. Trace light. Okay. Good to know. The second question I have, I have a dear friend of mine. He's um, had several mini strokes and we're at, would chelation help with that? They're not absolutely or anything like that. And I told him, I said, let's try you on chelation. I really think that's something that would help you. It filters your blood, correct? Yes. Um, okay. Chelation is a real issue and, um, um, and it can really be helpful for, um, everything you're talking about there. So I think um, also making sure uh, somebody who's got mini strokes, they need to be on a, um, um, uh, a, a good um, regimen of fish oil and other things to support the vascular system. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. 
So I think we have some emails here. Um, let's see. Alcohol, Chrome, we're all over the place today. Oh, here's a good question. How do we synthesize vitamin D? Vitamin D is very important for thyroid function as well. Um, one of my uh, friends, uh, Jeannie, called earlier um, and, and was discussing that. Uh, sunlight is really important for keeping the thyroid healthy. Um, she was mentioning the fact that uh, the thyroid is very sensitive to light and uh, because she does some work with um, uh, cold lasers and was told to avoid around the thyroid for somebody who has inflammation there. And uh, the thyroid is very close to the surface of the skin, so it's going to be more um, uh, affected. But all the cells in our body are responsive to light. That's why it's very important for us to get outside in the sunlight every day to get some of that natural rays because our body responds to these um, hormones or these, these, these rays to create better hormones, etc. So um, yeah, I think um, uh, there's a lot we can do there with um, getting light on our bodies to keep us healthier. Um, let's see, uh, the author's name for the thyroid diet, W-E-N-T-Z, Isabella, um, that is a really good one. Um, have a patient or a, a, another email that says, uh, um, is it bad to take Tylenol daily for pain relief? Honestly, um, it's not, um, but it's, there are better things to do. Find out why you have the pain and address that issue. So it looks like we're coming up to the end of the hour and uh, it's probably time to get ready to say goodbye. And I would like to tell you that next month is coming up on 420, which is uh, National Normalization of Cannabis Laws Day. And so I'm going to spend a couple of weeks talking about cannabis um, because I think it's a really important topic. Not People don't know enough about it. They think of it as a recreational drug yeah. and it can be so helpful medically. I think that'd be a good topic to address. And I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Fred for doing a great show today. And until next Monday at 10 o'clock, I'd like to thank our listeners and suggest they take care and stay healthy. And I'd like to thank Clark as well. She's been great. You all take care. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Healthy Steps on WMNF Tampa. You've been listening to Healthy Steps with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WNF Tampa. Coming on up now is your five-minute NPR news brief, and then we'll open Studio One to the Sustainable Living Show, hosted by the adroit team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Today, their guest is Marissa Ames, the editor for Backyard Poultry, Goat Journal, and Backyard Beekeeping. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to Healthy Steps with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. Music